From the southernmost point of Dorne to the lands of always winter, what is west of Westeros and the shadows in the east, this is Casterly Talk. I'm Kat Napsok, and we are here to take a look, a deep dive discussion of episode four of season one of House of the Dragon, King of the Narrow Sea. Ira Parker, the credited writer, and the director, Claire Kilner, the first female to direct a Game of Thrones World of Westeros episode since, well, about season four of Michelle McLaren. An oversight, an unfortunate thing, but House of the Dragon aims to do things a little differently, but we're going to dive into that because there's a lot to talk about with that episode. Join me tonight is Alden Diaz here to discuss it all. Alden, how are you doing, my Well, as you know, I was wearing a hoodie when I logged on and I took it off because the episode was too hot. Too hot. Super spicy. Uh, Too hot. This one is. Hot Westeros knife. Oh, yeah. Game of Thrones, reputation, dragons and sex. We've delivered on the former and now we will deliver on the latter. Yeah. Um, And it was a lot. It was a there was a lot of machinations here, my friend. Big machinations, and yes, a lot of sex, a lot of pleasure, a lot of desire, a lot of duty. And we're going to talk a little bit more about the scenes, uh, how it was shot, and it's just us here tonight. Uh, uh, Andres and Rachel couldn't make the show tonight. Uh, uh, we, we wish them good fortune in the wars to come of having an actual social life, but Alden and I are up late. You're up way later than me, which I always should tip my, my beanie that I'm wearing in the heat to you. Uh, we record uh, <laughs> live to tape late on the West Coast, later for you, sir. Uh, what, what do you what do you ramp up with some energy drinks? How do you do this? Are you are you just young? It's normally coffee, but then I was like, I need to I need to decrease my heart rate, but I still want to fill my mug, so I have hot <laughs> chocolate tonight, like an adult, <laughs> like like you're in a Timothy Zahn extended expanded universe novel. <laughs> Love that. Exactly. That. That's like a that's like a deep cut on, on an already deep cut. Yes, deep cut that I think it was Adam Christopher had a lot of fun with in Shadows of the Sith. Enough about Star yeah. Wars. I'm sure we'll come back into play. But let's do a quick summary of this episode. Say it with me. Some time has passed, about one year since the previous week's episode. But the issues at hand remain the same. Rhaenyra has been touring the realms and still taking applications for the man who will take her hand in marriage. It's tiring, it's tedious, and it's uh, full of duty and no personal satisfaction. We catch up with her at Storm's End, something we get to see on camera there as Renera tries to navigate through her role as queen-to-be and perhaps move beyond its constraining walls. Uh, Allison is alone in her world as queen, craving lost connections and very much dying a slow death, so to speak, as she tries to survive within those constraining walls. Uncle Damon has returned, now the king of the narrow sea, and he dramatically lays down his what looks like homemade crown before his brother <laughs> and seems to reconcile with the queen that banished him from this court years ago about four years since the pilot but damon is still the man he always was is and will be and is back to strike a blow at his brother setting his sights on rhaenyra and setting in motion some of the most salacious drama and machinations yet this season all of it centered around the realm being obsessed and trying to control the desires and pleasure of one young woman's heart alden let's dive in your overall thoughts on this episode king of the narrow sea well, this episode, I think, can best be described in a visual that it itself shows us a tightrope walk. Mm-hmm. There is somebody in the in the flea bottomy areas where they descend right. into lots of performers, and everything. And there's somebody walking a tightrope. And this is this is the power mm-hmm. of bringing in people beyond your perspective. Mm-hmm. This material needed a woman. 
there guiding the camera, guiding the the script as was given. And I think it's a great script, but it takes that eye to really emphasize what, you know, things you and I never had to go through being a, a young woman of 19, I believe, because she's, I think Around she's 15 that, yeah. in the pilot. Yeah. And so, you know, yeah. So now 19 year old woman, Around 18, 19, yeah. I've, you know, never had to deal with those problems, but to see them so intimately explored and to see this fight for freedom and this fight for, you know, being, feeling liberated and, Allison on the flip side, feeling so imprisoned, literally in bed with a man who is quite literally falling apart, who is decomposing. Yeah. Uh, the previous generation rotting on top rotting. of her. I, um, I put that note down too, rotting, because that's what it it's, is. Yeah, it, it's, it's devastating. And then Damon, mm. a man who so desperate to not be perceived by others and to, be, and to control his own narrative will confess to crimes that, as we know, didn't actually commit. Mm. Um, not in the ways that are, uh, are talked about in terms of perception. And that is the ultimate weapon here. So I love the episode that came down to the, we'll show you the audience, the truth, mm. but it doesn't matter. I thought it was bold and I thought it was great. Yeah. This, uh, I love that. We're going to talk a lot about the perceptions there that, uh, you know, a hard truth sometimes and, and the unreliable narrator, which is often key to uh, stories in this world. George R. R. Martin seems to love that. And with good reason, it, it's so much the way it is here. But I did want to talk with you. Yeah, big issue. And, uh, you know, you and I here tonight, uh, the only ones talking about this episode here in Casterly Talk. Um, but also to say, you know, so sometimes I love the different perspectives, love having Rachel and, and others and Lauren have uh, been on the show, Michelle Boyd, in the past too. But for you and I discuss it, actually, in a weird way for me, go with me here, makes some sense where I think House of the Dragon has been not so subtle in what it's trying to communicate and this is very much from my perspective of who it's trying to reach. Uh, there's a lot of people who are watching this episode uh, going, yeah, that's how it is. It's how it is there. It's how it is in that fantasy world. How it is here because uh, I've lived it. Uh, women or other marginalized communities, however you want to connect with some of the core uh, things going on in the season, it's there. And it's for uh, men like us generally who um, I think love the, the the violence, the dragons, the knights, the sex, all those kind of salacious things. And you're coming into, uh, and that's fun, that's fine. But I think this show is just kind of clobbering some people over the head with a hammer. I hope they get it. I hope they see it. Of, yeah, this is what it is. Are you getting this? Are you connecting with this? Is this, uh, you have a problem with this? Do you maybe understand Renera's side? Do you see Allison's side? Uh, I, I don't know if the show is always going to be perfect in that. I don't know if it's been perfect already so four, four, four episodes in, but uh, it is at least there for me. And I think you're right. It was key to have Claire uh, Kellner to direct this episode and whether that's well-received or going to be well-received or it's uh, viewed with some understandable cynicism, the brand of Game of Thrones does not have a lot of trust in how it deals with uh, women-centered uh, women-centered issues. Uh, media doesn't have a lot of trust, let's be honest, going back. And that's something we've talked about before here. But I thought this episode uh, was uh, at least uh, making uh, steps to address some of those criticisms in the show's original run and, and uh, in its approach to some of the storytelling, some of the choices, and not even the choices – the choices sometimes are fine, but it's how you shoot it and whose eyes you're seeing it with and seeing it through. And this episode, I thought at least uh, made the big effort and it hit and it worked for me. Uh, we could sometimes only say for me when it's uh, opinionated uh, based discussions, but it really worked. Uh, you saw it through Allison's eyes, which was at times horrific uh, and, and sad and lonely. And you saw it through Rainier's eyes, which in a series that's been very somber so far, in a, in a kind of a good way, all right? I kind of wanted that some Game of Thrones somberness. 
Uh, this was the biggest yeah. burst of joy. And <laughs> it was, was Renera going out and getting what she wants. And I felt that it was effective for me as well as the big time lessons. Absolutely. Renera, you said it there, getting what she wants, taking control, almost, you know, playing with fire and then it not working out, but not falling back, continuing to mm -hmm. embrace Carpe Diem and deciding, well, if it ain't going to be him, it's going to be you. And let me say, as you know, somebody that like you, we consume a lot of stories, mm -hmm. a lot of big worlds, a lot of, you know, worlds that are expansive with lots of stories within them. And I've, you know, I haven't seen every movie in the world, obviously, but I've seen a lot. I don't think I've ever seen the archetypal role reversal of the knight of the man's man being sort of the flower in the scene, mm. him being undressed and him being completely the one that's thrown for a loop. Like what is happening? My goodness. This like this doughish eyes, uh, the doughish, doughish eyes that you see normally <laughs> on damsels yeah. were yeah. there with Kristen Cole while she's joking around, disarming, playful, yeah. charismatic. I think Millie Alcock is like so good that I'm going to be heartbroken yeah. <laughs> uh, when we do the time jump. And, and that's not to say I'm not excited for the Emma and Olivia era yeah, because yeah. they are too. incredible performers, but it's like, Oh man, she's so good that I want them now to, can we, can we see those season two scripts and work some flashbacks <laughs> <in>? just <laughs> like we can have her again. I've had that. But she's phenomenal in this. Yeah, no, look. And, and again, this is, this is, again, it's not subtle. It's not subtext here. It's this idea that, that women and, and yes, other, many other identities and, and, and perspectives and experiences are, you know, a lot of these folks are just not afforded the same liberties and choices and, and even simply the same pleasures that men in this world and therefore men in our world are allowed. And I, I just thought this episode wanted to sit with that for a bit, play around with a bit, but it wasn't, that's, I liked all that's that, that part, the Renera section there. Again, there's a lot going on with Damon. Damon, his sense of control, power, he's, he's always part of the problem just part of the lesson for me. But once it kind of shifted to Renera going, you know what? Mm. I saw what was what out there, what's out there beyond these walls. I, I'm going to take it. And you're right, Kristen Cole trying to hold on to his vows, but wanting this uh, as, as much, but her in control shot kind of through her eyes. I felt it. It was, it was good about, uh, it was good for me uh, on that, but um, uh, we'll dive into a little bit more about that there. Uh, you know, there's there's uh, there's a lot going on here. And, and I think in this overall episode, it's easy. It could be easy, Alden, to look beyond episodes like this. Very talky, right? Very chatty. A lot of low whispered machinations. But uh, I love that stuff. I think Game of Thrones, uh, World of Ice and Fire fans, Song of Ice and Fire fans, love that kind of stuff, right? With uh, uh, and, and even though this show has so far, and you've said it so well, sir, of, has jumped to the meat and not been afraid to take those big leaps to where the story yeah. needs to go. But then it slows down. Rachel talked about that for definitely from an editor's perspective and a storytelling perspective. This episode really slowed down and there wasn't the big fighting, the different kind of action. I think when it's all said and done, this is going to be considered one of the key episodes in this first season. I completely agree. I mean, this is the one that played with all of the character growth and development up to this point playing our expectations, playing with our knowledge. It, it was a really big audience engagement, one where if you took it on its terms, you were met with almost contradictory feelings of satisfaction. Like if you take Otto, to take what happens with Otto in this episode, we've wanted to see Viserys stand up to this guy. Yeah. We've wanted to see Viserys emphasize integrity and cut out the BS and, yeah. and go so far as to fire this guy. Just so happens that we have the definitive truth as viewers and we know that, yes, he does deserve what happened to him, yeah. but he was also right this time. Yeah. And so there's a lot of those dramatic ironies of us watching 
an unreliable narrator text. You know, we don't do a lot of, of the like, how does it compare to the to the writing? Because we're talking, yeah. talking about the show. But on that note, we've said it before on Casually Talk, Fire and Blood is unreliable. It's mm-hmm. written from the perspective of maesters, many of whom were high tower folks anyways, yeah. like lo- more leaning that way. So there's a bent there. Um, this idea of, was it her uncle that took her virginity? Was it Sir Kristen Cole? Was it this and that? Mm-hmm. Being able to take elements of all of those and say, here's the truth and the characters will still mm-hmm. come to their conclusions and why you have Alicent in the Godswood mm-hmm. throwing these accusations out there, wanting to know the truth, but it's always what is being said underneath. Yeah. Always what's being said underneath with Alicent and really with Viserys too. What she's really saying is, is you know how desperate I would be, like how, like what I would do for a night out, and you yeah. squander it. Like it's there's yeah. an envy there and a pain. Mm. I mean, it's so powerful to see, like mm. when when things go down, when we get that trailer shot of Olivia Cook with the dagger lunging at her. <laughs> it's because of these moments. Yeah. Mm. No, I I loved the Allison and Rhaenyra stuff in this episode. Uh, one of it is because it, you know, especially towards the beginning. Uh, there's a little bit of like an honest connection, right? And you, mm. you're reminded of it. You're reminded of the connection, a direct reminder of what is, uh, what was there between them, what could be there. I always say this world has really positioned them against each other. Uh, this mm-hmm. idea of, of um, women against women type of atmosphere that uh, I think is being played at. You got these two friends um, or, or more, uh, which was uh, played in, in a certain way in the early episode, the pilot episode, uh, pulled yeah. apart. And But it was a night, it was a nice thing for me, Alden, to see them like, Especially when when Renera let the guard down a little bit, just to be, kind of be like, oh, I, I need this moment too, and have Allison being like, yeah. I'm just lonely. I'm so alone. I'm so alone there. It was great. And then juxtaposition, uh, juxtaposition, <laughs> juxtaposition. <laughs> wow, a lot of X's in that word. We uh, got there. At, we at got a late, there. yeah, at a late night, my 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 word burritos explode on me every once in a while. Um, to see it later in the episode when. I almost thought that was like, I wondered aloud to myself of like, is this the actual, if you're mapping the relationship between them, mm. Allison kind of coming to Renera to be like, Hey, I got, I got, I got to tell you something, but also what did you do is, is kind of this, one of the final breaks between them. When you, when, when it's all said and done, when you look back and be yeah. like, they tried to try Ooh, but this moment, you know, that you didn't have my back. And also, you know, what'd you do to me? That and people, People deciding things for them. I mean, Rhaenyra yeah. has so many parallels with her uncle Damon, and for better and for worse, has always leaned toward his. Like as Viserys says, they both have the blood of the dragon, and it's stressing me out. Like that's yeah. in, in so many words. <laughs> um, but he, like, that was what happened with the brothers. Yes, was Viserys and all of his small council boys deciding what Damon was mm-hmm. for him, and that's happening here with Rhaenyra, and she's butting up against that. Um, but I love that human moment after, you know, the celebration of Damon's victory, everyone having some wine outside. Uh, <laughs> a little luncheon. We'll, we'll talk about his entrance. Yeah, a little luncheon. A little ice cream that social. moment, That moment of, uh, you know, maybe your brother would like to see the tapestries. And her just being <laughs> laughed off was. Yes. Oh, painful. I mean, that it's like it tells you, yes, he does love her as much as he can love a second wife. Very clearly still. Yeah. Emma is his first love. And he's been clear about that. But. He loves her, appreciates her, does does take her word, you know, in terms of the the crab feeder, was willing to listen to her. But it's a reminder of like, you will never really be in. Mm-hmm. You're still the you're still the young second wife. Yeah. And that sets up the moment of the brilliant choice to just have a moment of her holding her crying baby, turns to camera, looks like she's about to cry herself. 
Mm. And then we just move on from that. That's just yeah. there as a, as a visual nod of this is the story that we're telling. And mm-hmm. that's why I've been sympathetic to her the whole time. I see these two and, I'm, and I, I want to step in and be like, this is the problem, ladies. Yeah, we can solve this, <laughs> but that, it's not going to be that way. It, it's interesting. I, I wrote down this note, too, of sympathy for Allison and and. Sometimes I see in the, in the online discussion of this show, which I, I I try not to, you know, I keep maybe one half of an eye on. Um, there's a lot of folks that, that cite stuff that that might happen down the line that we that we know of, or at least you know could possibly happen. We'll see how how the show goes. But you and I have always discussed, as well as with others on this channel, of once an actor gets in there, uh, the energy and, and and their own take on it, just the writers and directors. There's so much stuff to go into it. I I, I every week find myself feeling more sympathy for Allison and just wondering. When's going to be the final breaking point? What is she going yeah. to do? And what are those steps to like finally get what she wants? It's one of these big themes. Uh, and, and we're going to dive into the theme. That I think one of the biggest themes in this episode is duty versus desire. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and that word desire is shown in a lot of different ways in this episode, but also the anchor um, of duty or, or the belief that duty becomes above des- uh, desires. And Allison is just... So trying to, she's in that game to survive and and hold on to the duties and bury those desires. And I'm just wondering when the breaking point's going to happen and how it's going to play out. You know? Yeah, I mean, she's reconciling with the truth that is bubbling to the surface about her own father, and she has known that she was yeah. a pawn. But up until this point, the fact that he makes people pawns was not discussed by House Targaryen. Like yeah. outside of Damon calling him a see you next Tuesday. We had never seen Viserys and Rhaenyra and all of these people start to say, yeah, you know what? Otto does suck. So she's dealing with that. Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, bringing back these feelings from, you know, the King's mm-hmm. days of grieving and everything. And it's, it's making everything sort of come to a head where she's having to say, I reconciling my duty with my desires, but I don't think I've ever even been allowed to have desires. Yeah. I don't know what those are. I don't know who I am without, auto pushing me around and now with him on the outs it's like now you have to be your own woman and you know there's the next time and you know yeah. i'm not going to talk about the, an episode that hasn't come out yet but seems like it's going to be a huge element so now it's it's a sink or swim moment for her when as we already said she's who, who is her closest friend somebody who's literally rotting yeah somebody that chose her yes in a moment of passion but also in a moment of rebellion, like, yes, yeah. Viserys is a grown man. It doesn't mean that he's immune to moments of lashing out. The effects yeah. of rejecting Lena are still lingering. Mm-hmm. Uh, Corliss not in this one, but he's all over it. Yeah. And, and his actions and his deeds and Lenor. And I mean, we haven't yeah. even seen Rhaenys in a while, but that, you know, her presence too lingers throughout this entire thing. We get that, mm-hmm. um, those, those players in the street doing the play about the succession uh, and, and what's that. going on there. And, Damon saying, no, you need to see this. Yeah. Uh, it, it's very valuable, um, which is something that Game of Thrones did all the time was yeah. you need to be engaged with people. They yeah. do not care about your world. They do not care. Yeah, no, it's valuable. And I love, I love uh, you know, this particular type of thing of, of a character seeing a play about their story. Uh, we saw it play out with, with Arya before, uh, among others. Mm-hmm. And I, I actually really like it. I just like it because that's, that is the lay of the land. That's how you get the, the feel. You saw some stuff with Tyrion kind of, uh, you know, who they talk, they're talking about me. Uh, I, I love that stuff. It, it is art as communication within, in, in art, you know, <laughs> it's reminding mm-hmm. us the power of it. And it's also perspective. And it's also, um, no matter what the truth is, that's the truth, right? It's like that's the truth that's been there since yeah. the beginning. I mean, uh, I've been, 
when you're in a Game of Thrones mood, you're always going down the clip rabbit holes. Even if you don't <laughs> yeah. rewatch episodes, yeah, yeah. I just end up like, oh, let me watch the best of Rob Stark seasons two and three. Like, of course, I'll just sure. do yeah, stuff yeah. like that sometimes. And yeah. you have the the moment with Arya and Tywin where he's like, and what do they say of Rob Stark in the North? Yeah, He's not asking that because he cares about what statistics and actual strategies they can give. It's Tywin Lannister and certain characters like Otto, who is mm-hmm. sort of an analog for in some ways, like Damon. There are people that understand that truth is not power. Perception is power. You give true. You give power to words, true or not. Mm-hmm. So when Arya says some say that he could turn into a giant wolf, like doesn't matter if he can or not. Yeah. yeah. They think he can. And it doesn't matter. You know, Otto's point, like, well, it doesn't. Even if even if the white worms facts and we'll get to her, even mm-hmm. if the white worms facts are not completely yeah. legit or whatever, she's never led me astray. And it's the idea that this happened that is damaging to the crown. And he's not wrong, even if he must go. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. We're gonna, yeah I, I always say we're going to talk about that. We must start talking about everything. There were some big moments reveal some of them key, uh, all of them key to the plot. But, yeah, Renera agreeing to to marry uh, Lenore Valarian is, is key coming mm-hmm. to the very uh, end of the episode. It also ties her to the, the question of duty and desire. What does she see? Hears that early on of, of Corliss maybe looking to Bravos, and so she understands. Uh, again, I, I think it's the thing with Renera. It's like it's not that she right now she might be saying some things that are specifically against uh, marriage or children, or you know, I want to live in solitude. You know, the, the, that's maybe not always going to be the, the story of this character, but it's about choice, right. and she just wants choice. And when uh, you feel you don't have the choice, you might just then, you know, I, I, yeah, I want to be alone because I don't. I'd rather do that than have the choice. But so she understands the weight of the of the duty uh, and, and comparing it to the desire. I thought that was uh, big. We're going to get to the street of uh, Silk. You talked a little bit about Renera and what the realm really thinks. Uh, we're going to talk about Damon and his impotence, <laughs> his his complete uh, loss of of, of power. <laughs> Uh, in that scene, uh, and then uh, we uh, are going to talk also, Sin, about, uh, like you said, about Otto Hightower getting the pink slip in the very end, the very end. The king um, sending the moon tea in, showing that, uh, you know, I took it, I looked at it, and there's a lot of ways maybe slice it, but uh, as, as, you know, uh, Renera is not believed, even though, you know, uh, well, it's about more about Damon than Kristen Cole. Again, from that point of view, you know, it, it's about Damon and she knows what really happened. Uh, and the king is not going to take her, her word uh, yeah. or Allison's word. I yeah. thought that was a, a pretty powerful ending there. So uh, that's all that's on the table. Where do you want to go first? Do you want to start with that? Because you started to talk and I cut you off. <laughs> no, it's OK. Uh, no, actually, actually, Ken, what I really want to talk about is the the young lad who destroyed someone at Storm's End <laughs> yes. at the beginning. Now, that's not really a big point, but I did want to highlight him. He's hilarious. Uh, that moment that. was Black such ones, a great, right? like, you want to talk about they subverted expectations. That's that's a subversion <laughs> expectation because they cut they cut away from the fight and they come back just to show that he won. It's he won. so funny. I, I gotta tell you, I'm glad I'm glad you brought that up uh, again. Was it, it it's the uh, House Blackwood, right? I think is what they said. Yeah, there. Uh, I forgot to write that in the notes. Um, I love that because. You know, he pulls the sword and you're thinking everyone's going to laugh and, I, and and they're walking away. And then when the fight's happening and then I hear, you hear the stabbing, you know, years of watching and reading this stuff, I thought this kid lost his head. They're going to show a nine-year-old it's or what, 10-year-old head because that's the way the show's up. No, they, yep. they went nope. the way it needed to go. The bully gets his. And, uh, you know, I never want to uh, say violence solves uh, uh, bully issues here. Don't want to say that. But in this particular moment, I may have cheered. Yeah, it was a total <laughs> F around and find out. So shout out to that young hero. Uh, great to see Storm's End. And appropriate yeah. that the the you know the, the, 
the house of the literal house of House Baratheon would be a place where violence would just pop off immediately yeah. Um, yeah. with those those hot-headed stags. But yeah, I mean, I, talking about that ending, like you said, it's about Viserys and his daughter have now come to terms that are public-facing. Yeah, She said, I will do this, but you will do this. And to his credit, he bends because he is trying desperately to be father and king. Yeah. And he does, you know, take his daughter's word at that level. Mm-hmm. But then some time passes and he's like, well, you know, maybe from his perspective, he's like, I, I fired him because you are right that his judgment is, but I also, I'm smart enough to know that nobody has a hundred percent of the facts. Mm-hmm. You give me 100% rejection. Damon gives me easy admission of yeah. guilt. And yeah. yet that is, you know, d- you know, we'll talk about Damon in depth in a bit, but like Viserys is enough to be confused in mm-hmm. that scene with Allison where he's like, he tells me this. Why would he confess? How does it serve him? What's going on? Um, so I think that with that, he's like, you know what? I, I fired, I fired my guy. She's gonna marry Lanor, mm. but I gotta take out an insurance policy on this in a certain yeah. way. Like I gotta make sure that this is, this is fine. And it's, it's it emphasizes once again the pain of of women in this, not in yeah. this era. It's well, not a real era, but in this setting. Yeah, in the setting, and 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 I think that, again, this show is, is to be taken out of this the, the walls of its storytelling and and put into our world. And and you got two, particularly as it re, as it relates to Damon and Rhaenyra. Not putting Kristen Cole on mm-hmm. on on the on the ledge there. Um, Damon and Rhaenyra. Rhaenyra is telling the truth. Allison supports her. Here's this woman's truth. Uh, believes her, and uh, Viserys uh, essentially believes Damon. I, 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 to look at an insurance policy, you know, get from there. But that's what it said, and that's that yeah. look on Renera's face at the end, and she knows, uh, she knows, she feels it, and it, and um, and it was a, I was at first I was kind of surprised, like, oh, that's the end, and then on the second view, and I just, I really liked that ending. It really hit, a, hit, a, yeah. hit, a, hit, a, hit for me, struck a chord. There's a nice rhythm to be made across Game of Thrones and now into the show of understated not overstated, but, you know, mm-hmm. really bombastic coming off of the battle with the crab feeder. It's like, we, yeah. we're not going to send you home on those kinds of highs every time, because that's not what we need. <laughs> this we, is a story we, we, we of, can't take it. Yeah, we can. Yeah. <laughs> you know, how many of those, those false, false surrenders can we do? And <laughs> those bloodbaths. Um, but that's the power of the show is that we can have one end in bloodbath and we can have one end in a, Here's the Westeros equivalent of the morning after pill. Mm-hmm. And it's being given mm-hmm. to you by somebody that doesn't trust you, even though they say they do. And even though they say that you have this responsibility, so there's a lot of contradictory things being said to her, sending her feelings and emotions and beliefs into, into, into chaos. And, mm-hmm. and again, you know, this, this idea of him believing Damon, Damon's so obsessed with making sure that he is the only one in control of his narrative. Yeah. That he will initiate these sexual acts, but then once he's no longer the A personality in those acts, can't perform and backs off. Mm-hmm. And and as they say in the in the inside the episode, realizes the error of his ways, realizes that this is wrong and that it's not what he wanted, and that it was a play against his brother. Yeah. And then she goes and tells the truth, and as Millie Alcock points out, never actually lies. Mm-hmm. Um th- because they did not factually mm-hmm. did not actually consummate this relationship it did not happen it was yeah. some hot and heavy making out which of course is already scandal for the royal family but in terms of what they would need to be concerned about for her mm-hmm. uh her status for another lord is not actually in question mm-hmm. but then damon just doesn't deny doesn't try to control the narrative doesn't 
talk to Renera about what they're going to say. He confesses to more than actually happened mm-hmm. because he is of the mind of if that's what you want to paint of me, then go right ahead because I don't care. He's, mm-hmm. he's sort of functioning on that higher than the, he would, Damon would fit in 200 years later with like the Varus crowd yeah. of people that see things for what they, uh, what they yeah. really are free of tradition, free of precedent, all of that. Mm. Um, Mm. And it's it's just sad to see it all go down this way. Even yeah. even when you st- they're still striking parallels with the brothers, he's got Aegon's dagger at his throat, and then Damon invokes Aegon. Like these brothers yeah. are both children of history. They joke about their childhood. They were getting yeah. along really well. Yeah, the, at the beginning the, of the this. social. <laughs> so it's yeah, it's it's just it's fascinating to see the way that people yeah. all spin one night's events. How, how did you uh, like the? Um, Damon in the story, especially coming off of last week, which is, uh, you know, it, it was a heroic moment in a way, right? It was definitely a heroic moment yeah. if, if you're rooting for Damon, but also just in terms of action, you know, no one's, not a lot, mm. not a lot of people rooting for the crab feeder. Uh, it's a, mm. it's rebirth. No. <laughs> it's, it's rebirth, literal. We talked about that imagery and he comes back and it's, it's not that it was all a lie. It almost was like that rebirth uh, might've been just confirmation of, of what I want to do. And I, what I want to do is, whatever Damon wants to do. And I got to go get my brother a year later. I, I I don't know. I just liked that. I liked, because uh, I think for a moment I fell for it, right? When they're clapping and he takes it, I was like, oh, look at this. He's a new man. He's a team player. Then I'm like, what am I thinking? Mm-hmm. What am I thinking? That doesn't happen in this world. How'd you like that? Because that's the thing, right? Yeah. It's, I, I talked about this last time when we saw the preview of it. Mm-hmm. Now we have it in full context. Um, we love all fantasy. We're Star Wars mm-hmm. guys. The cutting of the hair is key any hair change is key mm-hmm. that's a huge mythic symbol he re- he was caked in blood last time perfect long locks disheveled and now he returns he's got this cr- this wooden crown whether he fashioned it himself for the drama or if it was actually fashioned for him by by his boys who knows yeah, probably um, little column a little column b or maybe he, yeah or or he he beat someone up and said make me a crown. <laughs> you know, it's good. Look, I, I'm but, I'm in a weird way. I've always been kind of been a fan of House Greyjoy, which is which is just weird. It ties to a part I played in a web series where I was Coach no. Balon. But um, you know they you know, they got a nice homespun crown. It's all right. They do. Like they yeah. do. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you know, sort of tying into that. He's a man. He's a man of many cultures. Yeah, but he yeah. he shows up with this this symbolism of change, looking fresh hair shorter deferring to the older brother mm. and it's all these things but like when that happens when somebody i think of kane and jarris and star wars rebels and i don't want to spoil that because this is not a star wars channel but there is a moment where he does cut his hair off he's got long mm. hair the whole show and then his hair is short and it represents getting to the truth of kane and jarris which is mm. not even his name and that's a whole other thing mm. so with that in mind of like we're getting to the truth of who we are that doesn't necessarily mean the truth is going to jive with everybody. It doesn't mean yeah. you're better. It means you're more yeah. truthful and truthful is not, those are the truthful sounds like a good word, but if the truth is negative, then the truth is negative. Yeah. And if the truth is that Damon is this agent of chaos and that's what he is, he has come back now with a, an extra thing on his resume to validate the way he was already feeling as this solo operator, as mm. one of the two malcontents yeah. as Viserys calls him. So it's, it's almost this, playing with audience perceptions of, oh, he's a conquering hero and there's a hug. Mm. And he's now, you know, literally cut things away and has has really reemerged and he mm. attends this party. But what is his truth? Yeah. That's what you're asking. It's it's and in an episode about 
really saying the truth doesn't matter once the narratives are started. Mm. He's the one saying narratives be damned. I am myself. I owe you nothing. And that's what Viserys is saying. He doesn't fall to his knees before the Iron Throne and say, yes, I slept with her. Yeah. He just refuses to deny and leans into whatever Viserys says because Mm. he's, I don't want to compare him to the Joker because in today's internet age, I just, I just can't with the Joker comparison yeah, sometimes, yeah, but yeah. there is a little bit of that. I'm ahead of the curb. Yeah. Dark Knight energy. Yeah. In coming off of him. I get it. Uh, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll go to Joker talk a little bit later in another podcast yeah. feed. Uh, <laughs> no, great stuff there. What are some of the big themes out there that you like? This duty versus desire, emotional freedom versus emotional captivity. Uh, a lot of things going on here. This idea of hard lessons aren't welcome, but suffered. Masari, I said that. And we're going to talk about her as the white worm. A lot to get to. What jumps to your head uh, next here? Uh, the, the, the imprisonment stuff is fascinating to me, especially mm. as we look at what a prison is and what freedom mm. is. It depends. It depends on the person. Viserys Targaryen has the highest seat in the land and the world even, and it is killing him. Um, and whether that plays into the superstitions about the throne, about some sort of mystical element is all up to every viewer and every reader. And that's cool. Mm. I like that they do that. But what we are seeing factually, whatever the cause is, he is rotting away in the mm. Red Keep. Alicent is bearing witness to it. And sometimes she has help and sometimes she sends the help away because she's trying any way to reconcile with it. Mm-hmm. Um, she is still being used to you know create heirs even while he's rotting away mm-hmm. and so that's a prison and and the idea that he's you can be a prison in your own relationships yeah. the way that Viserys like he doesn't fire Otto directly because of the events of that couple days mm-hmm. he sends it all the way back to something that we hadn't seen something to do with his father Bail on the, the the brave or the bold the brave I think right, Bail right. on the brave mm-hmm. yeah. and tells the story about recontextualizing everything Otto had done, realizing in that moment, almost in real time, that the, the prison he was in was Otto's thumb. Yeah, That's the prison that he's been in. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it's like, uh, I thought it was cool, and I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if it was intentional. Renera saying, your hand. Yeah. And then it's like, yeah, yeah. my hand is actually falling apart. Like, yeah. it's the visual representations are all over of how these people are all, like everybody is somebody else's jail warden. <laughs> no one else can get away from each other. No, I, I love that. I think there's an absolute connection between uh, his his hand falling apart and uh, his hand uh, of the king slowly kind of undermining him. And and I love that scene. I love the realization. Um, you know, Otto Hightower has been an interesting character. Like I said, I was kind of primed to root for him in this weird way before the series even started. Uh, again, yeah. having red fire and blood, I know it, but it's like all the little details do kind of escape my mind. I'm just like, let me start clean with this series. I like this guy. I like that. You know, I like, I, there's part of me that likes mm-hmm. Tywin and there's just something, you know, I'm ha- aware of, I have a lot of sympathy for Allison. I think earned sympathy. I'm finding myself all done having less and less sympathy for Otto, but I still feel sorry for him. It was that moment where he's like, I've got to go with, again, it's, it's, it's the duty versus desire theme, uh, of, mm-hmm. of my desire is to put Aegon the second on the crown and 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 secure House Hightower. Uh, uh, but my duty uh, is also to the realm and and to my friend who I do have an affinity and connection with Viserys. And that moment was just kind of like close his eyes, like oh, it's like he's happy, he's sad, he's scared. I don't know. There's a lot of stuff going on there. At the end of the day, it just all adds up to kind of pathetic for me with Otto. And I mean that kind of absolutely. I like it. Like I like that this is where the character's going. Absolutely. I mean, it, it all sort of crystallized for me. 
when he says my father was dead five days after that mm-hmm. five day period. That's it. And, and he goes, yeah, it was a grim day. And he's like, no, but it was a good day for you. Mm-hmm. Then there's that really pregnant pause before Otto's like, that's not how I perceived <laughs> it. Your grace. And it's like, dude, it's all falling apart here because you are playing the game of Thrones and you are yeah. trying to have it both ways. And you cannot, I mean, I, I mean, that's the overarching theme of the eight seasons of the original show. Like, love is the death of duty. How do those things get reconciled together? It's mm. every character faces that at some point. And if these two did have a brotherhood and a real friendship, it's long gone. Yeah, it's cor- it's corrupted everything. Viserys, it just took Viserys a while to realize that. So you can end up being a prisoner even within your what you thought were your truest relationships. Damon certainly felt like a prisoner as Viserys' brother. Yeah. Allison and Rhaenyra now both feel like they're prisoners within their own friendship, but also they're the only people that each other have at this moment. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, Masaria is, is another person who societally has been a prisoner and has been a prisoner of every customer that's ever abused her, of everyone that's ever bought and sold her across the sea. And she finally seized her her rise Mm -hmm. but it's at the expense of everybody that she is now throwing under the bus in the information Mm -hmm. trade yeah so it it, it reminds me of what Viserys said in episode three of like what i'm sick of i'm paraphrasing obviously he did not say he's sick of it uh he did not say listen Listen. but i'm tired of this nonsense yeah but he says i am i doomed to constantly anger somebody in the service of somebody else yeah and i think that the show you know this being the the martin world of this is sometimes our worst instincts is telling people, yeah, you are, you are sometimes just stuck in that cycle. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That, that, uh, that prison, that, yeah, again, the emotional freedom, the emotional captivity, uh, and, uh, and how it's played out. You mentioned Masaria. I do want to talk about that. Cause it was, um, I, I really like what they've uh, done with Masaria so far. I thought the mm. the big scene uh, we talked about it during the episode, but I think we, we haven't mentioned it last week, so I don't want to go too far into it, but like, I really love the scene with Damon and Masaria and her kind of saying, you, you think, uh, I know you think you can keep me safe. I know you think you're strong. You never have to face the stuff I do. Therefore the fear I came to you to remove is here. Uh, and then now we meet with her uh, sometime later and she's maybe kind of realized I'm going to have to take that own. I have to take that fear away from me on my own. Not unlike it. It, it does harken to a little bit of the, the Varys stuff in Game of Thrones, the spider of, of, of um, mm. his, it's a little obviously bigger scale and different, but uh, at least right now, but her kind of getting into the information trade, uh, spying on, on everyone. So I took it as Renera, but mostly Damon and all <laughs> she's just in the trade. Uh, I, I really liked it. I, she's an intriguing character. Uh, a little bit of a, a wild card is uh, as the uh, everyone plays the Game of Thrones up top, you know? Yeah, because for, you know, as was presented, especially in that first one, when she's, you know, egging Damon on, encouraging him right. by his side, leaves with him. Um, it seemed like, oh, well, that's, that's his girlfriend. That's his supporter. Yeah. That's his right hand. However you want to see that, she's in his camp. Now she has no camp. Yeah. And, you know, Damon, Damon didn't even get a room for free in this episode. <laughs> she said, pay on your way out. Like, your way she out. is she has evolved in the yeah. in the well, mm. I guess it's been a uh, three and a half years since we've seen her. Yeah. Um, about, so yeah. it's 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 a really interesting way to see these characters mm-hmm. still intertwining, but having to grow and how we don't we can't grow sometimes in the same path as people even if we are friends with them even if we have a romance with them yeah. you grow apart is a very cliche thing to say but in a fantasy setting 
that can be very combustible and terrible for lots of people. Yeah, yeah. The, the reality is sometimes in the world you realize even with some of your best friends or or even sometimes family, the only thing you have in common is the past and, and not necessarily the future, and that might lead to some breaks. And I think that's uh, something Masaria in some ways probably did. And and I, uh, you know, I I uh, I don't know. I'm just kind of enjoying uh, enjoying the climb. I, I enjoying the uh, you know, opening up a, a nice, uh, you know, proper eating house and room and board and uh, working her way up. Uh, I, I'm really interested to see uh, how they used her in the rest of the series. So mm. and, and, yeah. and 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 it falls into the, the captive captivity thing. I love that exchange. Am I your, your am I your prisoner now or am I your captive? And like I was yours. No. Um, so, yeah, it's it's all there. It's all baked in that big theme you were talking about. Yeah. And by the end of it. Everybody is arguably more isolated than they've ever been. Yeah. Rhaenyra is alone in that mm-hmm. room at the end. She had that scene with Viserys where we, the audience, were like, yes, the same page. Yeah, they're going to fire this guy. And yeah, there was some drama, but we're back. And then, no, here's <laughs> yeah. this here's this potion or, or yeah. tea. Yeah. Um, it's fantasy. It's a potion. There are made up ingredients in there. Um, <laughs> I, was, and I, was, this, I was looking up, I was looking up the moon tea ingredients earlier. I'll, I'll look it up while you're chatting, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so she, she's more isolated than she's ever been. Masaria yeah. and Damon broken up. Damon exiled now twice. Will he actually go back to runestone? Yeah. God only. Yeah. It kind of looked like the veil in the preview for next week. So maybe we will oh, see yeah. uh, some veil action. Uh, he looked like he was a little bit, um, little lonesome in that in that one shot of him yeah. uh the corliss and rainies literally just being like we're not going to the celebration and going him going back to driftmark except cup separating <laughs> yeah. himself i love that um everybody has that moment and even at mm-hmm. the end of their their wild night of partying drinking seeing a play and almost having sex mm-hmm. uh, they're both alone by the end of that everybody yeah. not one person comes out of this with any type of union even Kristen cole who maybe thought yeah. I mean, I'm sure his logical brain, he knows he can never speak of this because it goes against the yeah. vows of the Kingsguard. But what she perceived as a moment of like, hey, boyfriend, when he walks in, like, yeah. come here, come here. He's yeah. like, no, nah, I'm, I'm here to work. We're not good right now. Yeah. Um, no yeah. one's good right now. No one. To, yeah. The, the Game of Thrones way. No one's good right now. I was looking up yeah. Moon Tea uh, uh, up on the, the wikis there. Moon Tea is uh, made generally by maesters of wood witches out of tansy mint, wormwood, a spoon of honey, and a drop of pennyroyal. Now, there's a note at the bottom um, that comes from, like, uh, George R. Martin. Mm-hmm. He, he be- added some fantasy touches uh, as the actual recipe can be very dangerous and should not be tried in real life. So uh, just a little disclaimer for anyone. Don't don't try to do the Moon Tea in real life, please, and thank you. Um, yes. Yeah, uh, some big stuff there. Uh, I want to talk about the big one, uh, if if you want to, about uh, duty versus desire. Uh, and I, and again, I, we've already talked about it a lot, but like Allison is stuck between those worlds and has been for a while. Otto, uh, Viserys yeah. stuck between what he wants to do, what he needs to do as a, as a king, what he wants to do and needs to do as a father. And uh, I love the kind of uh, the the reminder. Um, you know, your 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 word is law in this land. So, and, and once again, Viserys makes a big decision following something Damon does, right? <laughs> it's this pattern mm-hmm. that keeps repeating. Damon does something, then the king acts. Um, but I really think we should go to the Rhaenyra of it all. She is uh, very much at the center of this episode, uh, good, bad, and otherwise, where the entire world of uh, this realm is uh, too concerned and... Um, trying to be too controlling of her desires, uh, both yeah. in uh, in her expressing her sexuality in, in the bedroom and, and beyond. 
uh, where, uh, you know, marriage is viewed as, as duty. She correctly sees it in a lot of ways, at least the way it's been presented to her. Uh, that idea of just being stuck here and producing heirs for the king and, and, and the way she uh, kind of says that to Allison. A lot going on, but all kind of centered mm-hmm. around this trip trip to the Street of Silk. Uh, you know, it was like the first time I went to Vegas when I was like 17 and we walked through a casino to get to the other part of the hotel with my friend and his family. And I was just like, this is like a world of sin and this is making me happy. I really liked, uh, liked this whole scene, the way it was played out, the way it was shot, the way it was... Uh, Seen through her eyes, even going up to the Kristen Cole stuff. So uh, let's dive in. Duty and Desire with Rhaenyra. Alden, what did you think about The Street of Silk? Well, what I loved about that is how it contrasts with the opening when we're on tour. Because yes. we're starting at the, well, we're starting with what should have been uh, just a midpoint of the tour. It's supposed to have a few more months on it. And she yeah. cuts it off early. Yeah. Um, and we're there. We're there at Storm's End. The idea is all of these locations, each with all of its own options, lines of men, lines. different ages, yeah. different offerings, different perspectives, uh, too old, too young. I loved her dig at this guy like, oh, yeah, and uh, my grandmother, do you remember her being beautiful? He's like, that was 50 years ago. Good. She's like, yeah, that's my point. Uh, <laughs> oh, that was unseemly, Prince. Yeah. That, whole, that <laughs> whole thing being all these options. And then a woman makes a couple of choices for herself. Yeah. One evening one not even a full evening sun's already down one partial evening of joy and all choices taken away we go from you have all of westeros all the way to the you will be with lane or without protest right and i thought that doing that in one episode and Mm -hmm. that being alone with just this potion far cry from i'm on this ship with Kristen and we're going around and seeing everybody that that journey within the journey i think really says it all about what price you pay when you defy duty you didn't do your job Mm. and now you have no choice i love what you're saying i really love this uh the you know i love it it's 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 tragic for a lot of ways for rainier but yeah yeah it's going from that that great scene in in the previous episodes where yeah, Ver- Vis- Viserys is like, yeah, you're going to marry, but it's, 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 make your own choice. And the tears, the joy, the, the sense of connection that you, like, oh, she, they're, they're, they're on it, as, as you've said before. Yeah, to start it from that, uh, and again, a lot of, it, it was uh, the doldrums, and, and, but there was a little bit of humor, a little bit of spark in Rhaenyra, and then what happens, the, the wide-eyed uh, innocence uh, turned to, uh, uh, a, you know, a adult experience, shall we say? I, I loved all that, and yeah, that's what I, I think. You're, I think you're unearthing a little bit more, Alden, for me. Why I really love that choice at the end, uh, and how mm-hmm. um, how alone, how absolutely alone she now feels. Yeah, and I, I think that the, you know, if we're gonna go full like AP English class on this, the idea that mm-hmm. her room in the Red Keep has the passageway to freedom and now she dare not ever open it again. Yeah. Like it, it, her room actually is like the party room. Like it has the, (laughs) uh, it has sort of, it reminded me of big Harry Potter fan being since I was a child, Mm. it has the secret passageways out of the castle to go and have fun. Something that Harry was very into something that, you know, Luke Skywalker just wanted to go to Tashi station. Everybody in those positions of youth and fantasy settings has that like, but it's right, but it's literally right there. It's right there. And then Damon, I, 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 this is completely headcanon. The implication, I think, that that used to be his room, mm-hmm. um, because mm-hmm. you know, at least you know, yeah. like, mm-hmm. yeah. so it's like he's 
here's the here's the map to awesomeness. <laughs> Here you go. Here's the it map was, to rock and roll. It was, it was even <laughs> scribbled like something. I don't know. Bart when Simpson would write, or you know, uh, totally Charlie totally from Charlie from It's yeah. Always Sunny. Like extra cheese here. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I love that. I love that. X marks the spot for fun. Yeah, love Truly. it. Truly, and it. now she's there, and mm. it's you know, Kristen Cole doesn't know where the hidden door is. Only she does. But it's like it's sealed up by fate it's sealed up by circumstance it's 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 you're truly cut off and so for her to be there um with the old in the combustible element that mm-hmm. sparked that freedom even though he did hurt her and leave her there and they never had it out after that yeah. um and they probably won't for a long while he's now gone because that was the thing yeah. you can see the the light enter her eyes when she's returning from this tour that she's cut short, when she hears Caraxes, yeah, she reacts before anybody else. Like, oh, oh. uncle, uncle D, like he's here. <laughs> like, you see Caraxes land in King's Landing, and all of a sudden, the, this miserable tour yeah. might have a little bit of spark to it. And leaning into that joy costs her everything, and, and that's something that we see even all the way later on with her descendant, one Daenerys Targaryen, perhaps mm-hmm. you've heard of her. She, she has these moments too of, uh, you know, that when she meets Barristan Selmy, like, Oh, I'll play with this child. Oh, it's a child. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's going to be such a fun moment. Someone tried to kill her and, yeah. Oh, I'm going to try to have this relationship with Dario. That's just fun, free and sexy. And then up, oh, got to leave him. Doesn't work. Can't do that. Like mm-hmm. you, you can only ever leave the confines of your expectations for so long. And it's just so just sad it's just yeah. you 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 if you empathize with these characters at all you feel like you're there and you can go to any moment in your own life mm. like las vegas at 17 and realize <laughs> i've been there i've my, been in those yeah. situations mine ended a little different than Ranera's. i'll say that it just was a trip to a <laughs> casino but um you know yeah. i connected with where it went out yeah and, and you talked about it up top uh, but also again with with uh, claire kilner directing the scene she's got two more episodes this season uh, you're absolutely right. Uh, it wasn't just simply um, a, a, a role reversal. It, it was shot so truthfully that this was what mm-hmm. Renera wanted, the desires. Uh, and, and the inside, uh, the episode thing, I think Claire just simply said, hey, you know, girls want to have sex too. And I, that's, a, that's a jokey, simple way to look at it. But but that it was shot this way. And I was, um, uh, the way uh, Claire, the director, talked about, you know, I was, I, I knew I had to shoot this in a certain way. Now, mind you, this was one of the big criticisms of of some of the stuff in in uh, Game of Thrones, where it wasn't, you know, some some of the 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 reliance, uh, over reliance, just the actual use of rape over and over, just got, you know, is, is irresponsible and inappropriate and, and and tiring for a lot of reasons. Um, but even if it's there, to be conscious of how you're doing it. Uh, that was the big problem with the Sansa scene. It, 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 it was uh, the focus the focus on Theon's perspective and not Sansa. And and, and this is a complete different vibe. It's a it, it's a complete a scene full of choice. It's a scene celebrating the choice. But I, I really did feel it was through her eyes again. Uh, saying that again, but I, I really loved your notes there about the Kristen Cole scene of of you know again he's got some valves. He's got to be you know he's got a job. You know this is a workplace romance. There might be some rules. Um, mm-hmm. But we know deep down he's he's feeling it too. But that it was all through her, the undressing of the clothes, the control, uh, the choice and scene. And again, there's some ramifications as always in this world. Yeah. But I, I really love that uh, the big center of that episode being the uh, Renera and Desire uh, over duty in this moment. I mean, she takes his 
primary piece of protection the helmet the thing that protects him from certain death there's one piece of armor you want to have on it's that and she takes it and playfully will not give it back like three or four tries he tries to take it before <laughs> he tried you know he, you know. he realizes what's going on and <laughs> you know this yeah. woman gave you status she rose you up from nothing yeah now she's really into you and she's got all the power and it's like, you're going to defy your princess. Like I'm sure we'll get some <laughs> more Kristen uh, yeah. perspective on this, but in that moment it is made, I thought, and again, this is just my take. It's my take as a man. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, I thought that it was elegantly handled in terms of this is joyous. This was shot in a classy way. It's not overly explicit to young people. It's very obscured. It's from the distances. It's through the curtains. It's through the, you know, the grading of the thing off to the side, the shades and and it's playful. Like I'm not going to give this back to you because I need to be a human being in this moment until he finally like acquiesces yeah. and goes along with it. So it's people trying, people desperately trying to be people in a land like this is some, one of the biggest themes. People who need people. Yeah, no. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. It just, it, it just really worked for me. And they can, and, and they played the, the show itself is, uh, you know, played the connection between them very well, uh, Rhaenyra yeah. and Kristen Cole, just him uh, being selected by her and what that meant for her in that moment and her knowledge of the world of that time and picking the right night, him explaining, yeah, yeah I, I get you're in a tough spot, uh, but you your, your spot to raise me up, as you mentioned, Alden. And, and so the connection's there. We've seen the connection. It's real. So nothing about this was cheap. It's tragic. It's uh, got some stuff that's probably hanging over it and some stuff that's yet to be resolved, not just with them, but just the whole situation around Renero. But for this moment, again, in a series, this series so far, four episodes in, has been mostly somber, <laughs> mostly serious, yeah. of a serious mind. Um, we did not pick up at people's, you know, like I, those first nine years of Viserys seemed pretty chill, but yeah. that's not where our show was. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> that you know, Jaharis has invoked several mm-hmm. times here the lingering spirit of somebody who was good at this mm-hmm. hangs over house of the dragon in contrast to how the lingering spirit of the mad king hangs over game of thrones. Yeah. They're coming out of the worst. We are coming out of the best. And where can we go from there? Uh, nowhere. Great is the <laughs> oh. answer. Spoilers. Nowhere. Great. <laughs> nowhere. Great. On the other side of this, this joy, this unbridled joy that, that emerges again from, uh, you know, we, I, I don't want to lose track of the fact that, uh, Damon in this moment, even if he does feel some connection, there's obviously some connection between uh, him and Rhaenyra. And, you know, we'll just leave it as that for the Targaryen family. And they work out some of the details themselves there uh, on uh, their family trees. But um, Allison, uh, Lady Allison, she pointed said it, it very plainly. <laughs> it also it also it also made me think of Daenerys telling Jon Snow a little. So, so. This is what we do. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's cut to, Cer- I think Cersei and Jamie both in different yeah. scenes. Yeah. I, I, I can't remember who words it what way. I think Jamie might have said, like, this was what Cersei used to say. But yeah. both of them in some form were like, oh, so it's great. It, it's perfectly fine for the greatest house that ever was. And now all of a sudden there's a problem. Now nah, there's um, a problem. And we're sitting there with our pizza and our chicken wings, <laughs> like, makes a great point. He's <laughs> right. Um, yeah, but you take this, you take this. Uh, so outside of the, outside of Damon, uh, and what I'm starting to say was was Damon using Rhaenyra in this moment. Let's be clear, even though there was a, yes. a, a, a lot of choice in the situation, it was a it was a manipulated choice. I thought that the bigger the better, bigger and better choices for her come after with Kristen Cole. I, I thought, but you know, he does, he does open her eyes there a little bit. But but um, uh, from that, you know, put 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 uh, that with the images of Alicent and, and the rotting king on on top of her, and and that 
was shot through her eyes for me too, which was mm. yeah. horrendous. <laughs> it was horrific to experience that from her. Uh, it was very, unfortunately, very real. And just the two, the two, the, again, duty, desire, duty, desire. And how do you get through this? And, and Allison's always yeah. been one to be like, like, I think I've said this before, but it reminds me a lot of Kira in Solo Star Wars Story be- mm. before she merged power with this idea that, you know what, you can't win, you can only serve. Yeah. And, and that's what she's there for. And how do you survive within that? And I'm going to make my plays and I'm going to rise within that. But yeah. you're always going to serve. Sorry, Han, you're always going to serve. And Han's kind of like, F the rules. We can win. We can do this. I think we're going to win. And that's the key to that story. One of the key themes in Solo Star Wars Story. And I just got to see it here with Rhaenyra and Allison. Allison's like, what's the point? This is the system. I'm going to try to survive within it. With Rhaenyra always saying, I'm outside the system. I'm taking the tunnel I'm taking the tunnel to Happy Town as many times as I can uh, to mm-hmm. uh, circumnavigate the system. But then, again, at the end, now I'm just free-flowing here. And then, just to end up kind of almost right smack dab in the middle of that yeah. system. I mean, first of all, I just got to say, whoever that woman was that played Kira, I think she's got a bright future ahead of her. <laughs> and she should do it. She should do a fantasy thing at some yeah. point. Um, but the, the that connection I love, I actually last week had taken Rhaenyra and Allison and compared them to Anakin and Obi-Wan yeah. of the whole idea of these characters that whether we're a dark lord and an old master or just two knights training, mm. we're having the same conversation. Yeah. And we're having the same falling out. And we're having the same thing is recurring we all have those people in our lives where it's like every single time that we interact with them if we peel it all back no matter you got you know you got long hair short hair gray in your beard no beard new job old job you're having the same conversations and fights with these people yeah Um, and so to see those sort of at play here and then as the women are then separated into their own evenings you know they have that Mm. nice moment at the luncheon and now we see what their evenings are like the horror for her, I mean, I, I don't mean to make light of that at all, but I did legitimately have a oh, oh, they're oh, they're 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 banging because when she says the, the king has asked for you, I was like, I wonder what they want to talk about. Like I was a moron in that moment. I was <laughs> I was an innocent summer school <laughs> moron. But she's like the, she's like, the hour is late. I was like, Yeah, the hour is late. What the hell? You guys are just talking. He's, he's, <laughs> he's up late answering emails. Wow, he's a hardworking king. Yeah. Uh, you forget to say something I when you were in the bath. Like, yeah. what's wrong, man? Like, save yeah. it for tomorrow. And then I was like, Oh, oh, yeah, she does have a kind touch. She did say that. Yeah. Um, so seeing that i mean and again it, it's it, it's another level of horror too because i i, I feel for both parties I feel yeah. for her primarily and the scene is shot through her gaze we only see emily carey's face which i loved mm-hmm. you don't see patty actually acting out that sexual encounter um from viserys's point of view but we're also seeing this guy try to cling to any type of life while he's very clearly going mm-hmm. out like while he's very clearly falling apart trying to cling to any kind of kindness, but he also is disregarding the only person that gives him that kindness earlier in the episode by laughing off her suggestions and things. So everybody is um, sort of pooping where they eat, so to speak. Well, yeah, no, I like what, I like what you're saying there and that, yeah, him, him, um, you know, yeah, right. You don't, you don't see his face in an exchange, uh, but him kind of reaching up and, and, and and touching her, her kind of, Stepping too and, and, and giving him some sort of attention in that moment, uh, other than, you know, um, the act, but yeah, it is, it is sad. It is, I think it is him kind of flailing for any kind of, uh, uh, true connection and true, true support. Um, but you're right often with Viserys, it seems like a lot of his troubles come at his own doing, you know, uh, Absolutely. a lot of his own, his yeah. own uh, troubles are caused by himself. There was the, his actions. I think that's a great point. Great point. Yeah. 
Mm. Yeah. And both brothers are doing that. Both brothers are trying to cling to any type of authenticity. Yeah. You know, what they share in common is a great many things. A great many great things. Many things. Um, it's a phrase I can't say without <laughs> slipping into Ian McDermott in some form. Um, but the the idea that they, the ways that they differ outweigh the ways that they're similar. It's mm-hmm. like if they both actually were able to have a conversation and discuss clinging to relevance, clinging to legacy, clinging to um any type of youth trying i mean damon damon revels in in their youthful days yeah. like he says you and i when we were princes we tore up you know the streets yeah. and we went out there we were in all the brothels and the way viserys is like i moved on from that because i had to because i was chosen um mm-hmm. they'll never actually be able to reconcile those two perspectives yeah because of the fact that viserys has it and didn't want it and <laughs> damon wants it and can never have it yeah yeah, and I love the line too. If you're not a conqueror, you're a plague. And this idea of uh, you know Damon, he's he's conquered the stepstones in a way. He's he's holed up at uh, Dragonstone. If he wants to go to the Vale, he can go there. He's the rogue prince. But uh, I just, I, I to me, uh, that's uh, I wonder. Uh, this is not even necessarily tied to themes, but I just wonder, Alden, like this idea of of Damon in his heart knows he's not a conqueror. He knows he's a plague, and how much that drives him. And how much she, just like you said earlier, like this, all right, I'm reborn. This is who I am. I will be the plague. And how yeah, destructive I, that is. Yeah. We've invoked Star Wars a couple of times. I mean, it's it's the Ray and Kylo, you're a monster. Yes, I am. Yeah. That um, that ownership, believed or not, it's it's ownership is a choice. Ownership of the roles is a choice. And I I was saying on Twitter before that I think that Damon Targaryen, who was I, I was already, and I own this, I was predisposed to love this man. Mm. Um I was ready to love him going in and that's a big part of it sometimes whether yeah. fans of anything want to admit it or not you go in arms crossed you're gonna have an arms crossed experience you go in excited about that actor you're gonna give them that attention yeah. but with that i genuinely think even in script form damon targaryen is the rogue character for today for mm. 2022 yeah like, i see the things that he's struggling with and I, I, I see myself, I see my friends, mm-hmm. I see people in our online communities, um, I see people that I've worked with, the ideas of, I don't want to be perceived, mm-hmm. I want to be left alone, but I'm also desperate for a connection. I, stop labeling me, stop taking my narrative away from me. Yeah. In the social media age, that's a big problem. In entertainment industries, that's a big problem. Uh, youth and anxiety and where we're a medicated age group of 20 somethings <laughs> that all want to break through. And of course yeah. there's a generalization speaking for myself there, but yeah. this idea of can, can I just be real? Is Damon Targaryen not enough? Even when I bring a great victory, I still feel like I'm mm-hmm. like I'm being presented a certain way. Like even his great victory, he's immediately yeah. put into a social situation. He hates well, yeah, it, it even ended that letter from the king, like, yeah, yeah, I'll help you and I'll save the day. And yeah, yeah, no, I th- no, I think there's a lot of you that again, going back to that scene I love with with Masaria, kind of giving him uh, the the news, uh, not this week, but uh, the, the previous episodes. Um, it is very much of this time. It, it, Damon represents uh, a lot of the audience that needs to get what's going on in this uh, in this world, but also in ours. And they need to hear some of the message. And I thought the Masaria scene was basically, again, like. You are you you are your intentions with me, Masaria, might be good. I get it. I believe your words. That I'll protect you. Don't worry. You do not understand from your privileged position that the pain and, and danger you're putting me in, and that just no. made me think a lot about what Damon uh, means for us. And I, I love your expansion of that idea. Uh, he is yeah. the rogue prince for these times. 
He is. He's he's the rogue prince of the modern day. You hear it all the time in joking ways and in serious ways. I know from a lot of people uh, in my peer group, uh, I don't want to be perceived right now. I would mm-hmm. rather deal with being lonely in my home, especially in the COVID era, than go out and have people make assumptions, go out and have mm-hmm. people ask me about my job, ask me about my this and that and the other thing. And there's a lot of that going on. And there's and with the Rhaenyra and him parallel too, it's interesting that Kristen Cole and her have a conversation in the previous episode during the hunt of that whole thing of, well, I could have married a common born woman. Well, at least you would have had a choice. Well, a lot of people would kill to have your choices. Now she is sort of the Kristen Cole to his Rhaenyra mm. when he's talking about, uh, I, I feel so bad. I can't remember his wife's name and it's his fault for always calling her derogatory names. Uh, lady, lady Ray, Rhea Royce, Rhea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Rhea right. Royce. I think that's what Rhea it was. Royce. Yeah, I'll look that up. But yeah. So the the bronze biatch, as he calls her, um, yeah. and he's and and it takes Rhaenyra reminding him, like, well, you know what? Like, you got it pretty good. All right, your wife's been, your wife's a nice lady. She's been doing well while you've been gone. Like, yeah. she tries to give him the reality check too. But you cannot change people's perspectives when they are in it. Yeah, and you're not. Yeah it's very hard to find a one-to-one in this life of someone where you're like, Oh, you actually do understand. That's a rare feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Also. Yeah. I love, uh, I do, we don't do a lot of the Easter eggs and connections. I, it, it's, I, I forget that uh, his wife uh, uh, is, is connected to Sir Waymer, Raymer Royce uh, later on that we're going to have mm. uh, spend a lot of time with in That's uh, the, uh, Game of Thrones. giant breastplate guy, yes. right? Yes. I always, I always remember him as, Giant breastplate. <laughs> Giant breastplate guy is also uh other way to look at it. But yeah, I was looking at the houses here. Live online, live online. Yeah, I uh, love those connections. Um, anything big here in the time we have left here? What have we left on the table? We talked about Damon. We're talking about those hard lessons. Otto getting the boot. Um, how does that what where, where are we at now looking at next week and beyond here? I think the last element to touch on as it especially as it pertains to next week is this idea of trying to control the connections almost in an isolationist versus like globalist type way. There's a little Mm. bit of that going on too. Interesting. With the, we just stamped out this problem that was caused by who we perceive to be these dangerous foreigners, all that. Oh no, they're taking these islands over here, the Stepstones, and they're a pirate alliance and we destroyed them. They're done. But then there's this idea of like, Oh no, Corliss is going to try to use that to legitimize the other country. That's, that's (laughs) even worse. Like, so this idea that, Again, Corliss, too, in his own way, despite being one of the older guys on the scene, a veteran, having built an established house, being the wealthiest man in all the lands, even he can do things that go outside of expectations that mess with everybody else. Mm -hmm. And and bringing Bravos into the fold or not um, is an interesting sort of like geopolitical Game of Thrones problem. And we have our knowledge of Thrones of knowing that, you know, Bravos is still, by the time of King Robert, still a very distant and separated thing. Mm. Only really the Iron Bank do they have a connection with, um, and Sirio Pharrell, really. Yeah. Um, but that's yeah. the the ideas of, do, we don't trust anybody, and we're trying desperately to insulate. You hear that constantly of, the goal for everybody, just from different angles, is for Valerian and Targaryen to come together, which would yeah. just be isolation on isolation. Let's yeah. try to fortify... Let's try to build an alliance of dragons and ships. That way no one can mess with us from any point in the world. And there's a huge paranoia there that I think lingers all the way down to Ned and Robert talking about things like 
can the Dothraki ever cross the narrow sea? Pfft, no. Oh, yeah. And that, and that, that hubris and that isolationist mentality had to be built yeah. and it's being built here. Yeah. Mm, that's no, I love that stuff. No. And, and yeah. And the sea snake is, uh, is, uh, is absolutely a man of the world, right? Those nine voyages took mm-hmm. him all around the world. So he's going to, and that makes him a rarity, rarity and, and, and made him makes rich, him a successful, now. but a rarity. And someone who maybe understands it in, in a way, it's, you know, it's, it's not a, Maybe a bit of a stretch, but I just uh, you know it's like Prince uh, Prince Oberyn, uh, the Red Viper yeah. uh, has that same kind of uh, I've seen the world and the world's all right. Don't be afraid of it. Connect with it. Connect with your desires uh, as as, uh, as as you want. So yeah, no, I love that kind of connection. Interesting, and to see how that plays out. And 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 we know we you know Corliss is uh, is been out of this uh, was out of this episode. A lot of him last week, of course, and his family. But uh, yeah, his shadow. You're right. You said it up top. It looms over this episode too, with all the big decisions. And in a lot of ways, he, his decisions force a lot of hands. Uh, literally, mm-hmm. maybe hands, hands of the mm-hmm. king. Yeah, and they've done a great job. I think that one of the concerns that maybe was out there in the zeitgeist doing a show about House Targaryen, specifically at their height, mm-hmm. was can we create reasonable threats for them that are credible, that feel like they can actually threaten the House of the Dragon? That they yeah. that this this dynasty that has at this point or well by the end of the show like setting 17 dragons will have been in play mm. it's like you know we've got we, like balerion the black dread's last rider is on the throne yeah his daughter's got a dragon his brother's got a dragon his cousin's got a dragon what what is money to those people and the, the scripts have done a great job of showing still a lot <laughs> that still matters a lot yeah ships money marriages they're immune to none of that tying all the way back to Rhaenyra saying we think we're gods and we're not and we're not and we're not big stuff we got some big stuff coming next week I'm excited we got maybe uh you know some weddings gone wrong or another ice cream social but this time gone wrong we're gonna seem to we're gonna ramp it up here and uh I think the switch is gonna be happening soon as we're gonna take some bigger leaps forward but um, I'm really looking forward to spending uh, a little bit more time, at least one more big episode with Emily Carey and, uh, you know, um, Millie Alcock as Renera. I've had a lot of fun with these two performers and the life they brought to these characters thus far. Absolutely. Same here. Well said. I, I, I think that they have, they've done a great job of building and building and building and building. And based on the preview, it looks like this is going to be the explosion yeah. where they're going to be able to play all the different shades. It looks like it's going to get violent. Yeah. weddings in this world not a great track record yeah. um not a huge sample size but even then <laughs> still not still not yeah. great um yeah. so i i'm really excited for that and i think that they've done such a great job you know we're we're nearing next week will be the halfway point of the season and this has been i think some of the strongest i'm not trying to you know i, I know you know this but just for the, the listeners and viewers we're not in the is it better than game of thrones game mm. where that's not what we're doing but i do think that when you know when when the chips all fall we're gonna look at this as a, one of the strongest foundations of any season that we've had in this world so far it really has been beautifully done i really think house of the dragon thus far has just been really confident in, in what yeah. it wants to do and it's doing it and we'll see where it ends up and we'll see what expectations build for future seasons uh but i uh yeah i'm with you on that too yeah not comparing not at all it's it's you're, you're gonna make the, the you're gonna look across uh, the the room at the other show all the time uh, the shows 
in, work with each other in that way. But yeah, I agree with you on that there. A lot of, uh, lot of good stuff happening here. Big stuff coming next week. We're about to sign on out. I want to thank all of you for watching and listening, supporting Casually Talk, whether it's our Rings of Power uh, deep dive discussions. Uh, thanks to those who are spreading the word about what we do on that side of it or uh, what we're uh, kind of always here for the world of ice and fire. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, thank you for uh, listening, watching, subscribe on the YouTube channel. We are uh, building and growing on that. The podcast still going strong. If you're on Apple or Spotify, if you want to rate and review, we really appreciate that. It helps build the channel and the podcast up. You can follow me at Ken Knapsack. Go to my website, Ken You can follow us at Casterly Talk at Alden. You know, I keep one eye on wrestling news, my old business. I was in and out of the wrestling business for 20 years. I love it. And I saw Octo Radio show up uh, in the wrestling news world this week. Uh, You've had a lot of fun. Tell them where they can find you and your shows and the big charity event coming up. Yeah, my my goal in life is just to cross the streams of everything that I like. So it did bring me did bring me some joy. Once I get Dua Lipa in a Star Wars, I will ascend <laughs> to my next my next form. Uh, Octo Radio, A H C H T O Radio, everywhere you get your podcast. That's the three different shows that I either host, co uh, co host, or produce. All in the Star Wars realm. We just had Mercedes Vernado on, perhaps best known as Sasha Banks, multi time uh, WWE Women's World Champion. Uh, women's tag champ, and uh, also Koska Reeves in The Mandalorian talking about Star Wars. It is a Star Wars interview, but come on, wrestling yeah. does come up. So, and it was picked up in the wrestling world. And then Ryan Johnson, who just premiered his Knives Out sequel to thunderous applause and acclaim, everyone saying he last Jedi'd his own first movie. Let's see uh, how that goes, and you'll be able to see him talk to me, uh, Potathon, September 17th. 8 p.m. raising money for the Make-A-Wish Foundation. You can donate now. All those links are everywhere that I have just listed. If you hit up Octa Radio, if you hit up my profiles at that Alden Diaz, you will see them. Let's raise some money for some children. Um, and that's going to be really exciting. And when we reconvene for House of the Dragon, that will be in the past. And so we'll talk about it then. Big, uh, big busy weekend for you here. Uh, we're going to have a lot of fun. Um, for those who listen on the podcast side, you can leave a message. I apologize. Uh, I got some a backlog of good calls in about uh, House of Dragon, Rings of Power. Uh, we're going to be collecting those and doing audio-only episodes soon as well. Just bear with me. It's been, uh, there's a lot of content to cover, both in Game of Thrones, <laughs> Ring of uh, Rings of Power, and Star Wars. So it's been a wonderful time to cover this nerd world. Uh, we'll do it more. That is it for this week, my friends. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Thanks for supporting we'll see you next time we're gonna have some fun at a violent ice cream social on house of the dragon see you next time on casually talk